where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Good evening, you lucky dogs and doggettes. This is uh, where nobody knows your name. Doggettes, that's, that's a reference. Don't worry, that will come into effect later in this episode. I'm John. And I'm James. I thought you were just trying to find a cunning way not to swear. Maybe, maybe that's what Cliff was doing in this episode. Today we're going to be talking about episode 17 of season four, second time around. I gotta say, standout episode. I really like this one. It aired on the 6th of February, 1986. And it was written by Shui Aiken and Bill Steinkellner. Who directed this episode, John? Don't go there, James. This is difficult for me. Not James Burroughs. What? The days come. When I first saw that, I was taken aback, James. I went, well, we're losing something of Cheers here. It was actually directed by Thomas LaFaro. Well, he's deep-rooted in Cheers. He's been the first assistant director from way back uh, in season one with Sam's Women, the Dortelli tour, Sam at 11, Coach's Daughter. So, you know, he's embedded in the... We just haven't mentioned him all these episodes, but he's been there. He's been there in the background, like Al. And actually, we love Al, so very welcome. Everyone knows Thomas LaFaro on the Cheers set. They're like, hey, Tommy, oh, you're directing this episode. Does Jimmy know about this? All right, that's fine. But what an episode. And I guess we'll, we'll start off by going into the cold open, which will explain my crazy introduction of good evening, you lucky dogs and doggettes, because Cliff has a present for the bar. Some nice homemade baking. Mm. Reserve the yummy noises, James. <laughs> Because they're not good. Essentially, he's got sort of a mystery Tupperware full of uh, homemade, I was going to say pretzels. They don't look like pretzels. They look a bit like dog doo-doo. Uh, mystery Tupperware would be a great name of a prog rock band. Misshapen Pretzels, their, their <laughs> debut album. Mystery Tupperware is my uh, cookbook coming out, actually. <laughs> but yeah, they're not too much of fans of Mars homemade that, that's an understatement they're, they're pretty horrible but everyone's fairly nice about it well actually no they're not they're not nice about it <laughs> they're not crueler than they usually are to Cliff well I think it's the thing that Cliff's kind of oblivious to it but we do get jokes about how would you describe them filling I've just lost my filling that was a, a norm joke I'm pretty sure and something about a lawsuit I think Sam says I assume Sam's saying we can't serve these because of a lawsuit. Woody's fairly okay with them. He just is struggling to eat them, but he doesn't mock them. He's just like, I just need something to drink, Sam. You say that, but Sam says, why don't you spit it out? And then he says, then I'd have to look at it again. <laughs> He's a classy gent, is our Woody. Shall we move into the, the main part of the episode, James? I think so. It's a, it's a Frasier episode. And about time. I feel like we haven't seen Frasier for, not properly for a while. We've got Crane on the Brain. Here at Where Nobody Knows Your Name, at Cheers Podcast, and we think it's about time he was a main character. And uh, in this episode, he does bring a date to the bar as well. Dr. Lilith Sternin. I suppose this is partly why they did a bit of an in-joke, but isn't Lilith the name of Mrs. Satan? You're asking me with my, my personal connection to Satan there? <laughs> with your commute to the underworld? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think Lilith is the name of Satan's wife in books. The Bible? <laughs> The Bible. I've heard of this book. That little known book, The Bible. So what you're trying to say is this woman is the devil, James? I'm saying that she could have possibly been named that as a literary in-joke. Either way, the best thing Fraser can decide for a date is to take his date to a bar where his ex-fiancé who left him at the altar serves drinks. Yeah, there's a lot of stupid decisions that the characters <laughs> in series make. I know what we could do. We could go to anywhere to drink, but let's go to the place where... The woman who jilted me works. I couldn't possibly go wrong. She calls Fraser out for this kind of strange behaviour. There is a quote which I like, which is, I noticed your drinking went beyond sociability, which I thought, you know, I like that. I like that, but I also approve of Fraser's, well, 
Tough. But Frasier asks for two cognacs and then turns to Lilith and says, what would you like? He tries to play it off as a joke, but really he's, no, no, I need a drink. This has been a terrible (laughs) evening. I like how direct they are with each other. Incredibly direct. But I have a feeling that you only brought me to this place to surround yourself with people you know and I don't. Well, yes. But what's more, I thought that we might have a drink or two, thereby lowering our inhibitions a bit and enabling us to go back to your place and have a physical encounter of some sort. Well, we won't. I appreciate your candor. No, you don't. You're right. I feel like striking you. Woody calls her charming lady. And she comments on how it's flattery. Charming. Your flattery is obligatory and specious. Specious means uh, plausible, but actually wrong. It's plausible she's charming. But it's wrong. Well, it's it's quite a sad end to the date because Fraser goes to the, uh, I think he calls it the little boy's room. She comments that he feels the need to call it the little boy's room. Uh, and then she leaves him. Why does a grown man feel the need to euphemize? <laughs> to which Woody replies, when he drank that beer awfully fast. <laughs> But yeah, she, she leaves him, like like everyone else has left Frasier so far. Everyone else will leave Frasier, just abandoning him in the woods like he's on some kind of snipe hunt. <laughs> I like that. Reference back. We're in deep now, John. Frasier comes out of the little boy's room and he's, uh, well, he tries to walk it off nonchalantly, but he's a bit hurt. I think he has to go into the, the office to cry a bit. It appears he did possess chalant. <laughs> and I think that the bar kind of have a good response to this. They kind of rally around... As they normally do. Yeah, they want to give a pleasant surprise to him. It does come across as kind of sneaky, I suppose. Fraser's definitely suspicious to it. What they end up doing is they try and set up Fraser on a date without telling him. Yeah, they try to set him up with one of Sam's women. Someone from the, the little black book, I, I presume. Candy with an I. From what I can gather, she spelt her name Candy with an I because she wanted to appear more classy. So change the spelling to be like a Gandhi. Which is, it's good. This is how she introduces herself to Frasier. And Frasier kind of gets on with her a bit. Sam says I set him up with her because he wants to set him up with someone who was different and because she was actually fun, which is kind of a jab at Diane. I don't necessarily approve of Sam's methods, but I do think Frasier needed something fun, whatever that may be. Could have gone bowling, but no. (laughs) Sam introduced him to Candy. When Fraser initially finds out that the gang from the bar tried to set him up, he does initially presume that Candy is a prostitute, which he kind of then gets a bit insulted by. Which, I mean, fair enough, he gets insulted. But he shouldn't presume, you know? That would be quite awkward, I would imagine. Yeah, it would be. (laughs) And it kind of is is at one point in, in this episode. But he says he's seen the movie. They hire some strumpet to date the town wrench. So he sees himself as a town wrench. That's how the movie True Romance starts. I feel like it might be quite an 80s trope before it became unacceptable. Cliff says as well, um, Sammy's never bothered to set him up with any of his bevy of babes. It's a quote from Cliff. And and then afterwards he goes, not that I need help. (laughs) Cliff's quite insecure, though, to be fair, last time that we saw, last time he tried to woo someone, he was abandoned. That's true. Um, It's glad to see he got back to the bar, all right? I thought he may have, you know, lost in the woods. Never made it home. So after Fraser has rejected Candy, and they're both just sat in the bar on different tables, he then offers to buy her a drink, and then starts making small talk with her, and then asks if she wants to go on a date. And she says yes, which is nice. They go out of the bar, and I think they have a good time. Meanwhile, we return back to Cliff and his pretzels, and as you mentioned earlier, his insecurities. But he's getting a lot of love for his pretzels, or so he thinks. Carla and Norm have a discussion about the need to address it, because these pretzels ain't good. 
kind of turning customers away, aren't they? As bar snacks. Yeah, Carla says, take care of it while I still have some teeth left. But they find out that uh, not only is Cliff insecure, but his ma is quite insecure as well. And she really appreciates that the guys like her pretzels. It's given her a lot of pleasure knowing that she's helping the bar spend some joy. So I don't, I don't think anyone does complain to Cliff. And that's kind of the end of the episode for him. Because they prefer Mark Laban. She seems like a nice lady. Should we go through the cast, James? There are some new faces and it feels like a while since we've had a sort of sizable guest list on the bar. This is the guest list. Uh, Jennifer Tilly as Candy Pearson. Well, uh, what other places have you been to? Hill Street Blues, <laughs> Remington Steel, It's Gary Shandling's Show, The Fabulous Baker Boys, Bullets Over Broadway, Liar Liar, Hey Arnold, Monsters Inc., The Haunted Mansion, Seed of Chucky, The Cleveland Show, CSI, Curse of Chucky, Modern Family, Cult of Chucky, Family Guy, and many more. Well, I, th- I think that checks out, Jennifer. Yes, come into cheers. Yeah, I love it. Good to know Chucky made the list as well. <laughs> we, of course, had B.B. Neuwirth also rocking up to the bar, portraying Dr. Lilith Sternen. She also appeared in Fame, Say Anything, Green Card, Star Trek The Next Generation, Jumanji, Freakazoid, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Will and Grace, Law and Order, Trial by Jury, The Good Wife, Madam Secretary, The Good Fight, Blue Bloods, Jumanji The Next Level, and many more. Interestingly, this was not only B.B. Newworth's first appearance as Lilith and her TV debut, but it also aired on the same date as her TV debut in Simon and Simon. Two TV debuts on the same day. Quite a big night for BB's household. Premieres of shows here and there. Can't move for her shows. I bet they had a party. We also had Lou Fant as Justice of the Peace. He also appeared in Kojak, Airport 1975, The Bionic Woman, Little House on the Prairie, Trapper John MD, Cagney and Lacey, and many more. And it's a shame we didn't get Harrison Fiedler. Justice of the Peace, James. Why do we need a Justice of the Peace? I'll tell you for why, John. After Fraser and Candy leave, cut to 17 hours later, Fraser's walking back up and going, I've got news. News, you like news? I got some. <laughs> Candy and I are getting married. And Sam goes, Whoa. 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 What? <laughs> you know, I've painted a picture for you. That vivid picture. <laughs> And most people are quite congratulatory to this. Apart from, of course, Diane. Diane, you don't get it. You can't stop all of Fraser's weddings. That's not stop it. <laughs> don't you have someone else's weddings you could ruin? And as per every Cheers marriage, it happens in the bar. And uh, just as the Justice of the Peace is reading out the ceremony, he says, does anyone object to this? To which Diane screams, I do. Right phrase, wrong wedding. And she pulls them aside into Sam's office and also asks Sam to come as well. I think it's because Sam is more impartial than Diane because he was never romantically involved with Frasier. But he was with Candy. I don't think he was romantically involved with Candy. I think Sam's behaviour and personality, I think romance is is an odd concept to him. We've talked about that Don Juanism aspect. I think with Candy, he was like, you're fun. I like fun. Do you like fun, Candy? And she was like, I like fun. He's like, why don't we have fun together? They had fun for a while and then and then they stopped having fun. When Sam is called into this scenario, his response is quite similar to a lot of episodes where he's kind of like, why are you bringing me into this kind of thing? Diane has sort of a monologue where she's trying to convince Frasier that him and Candy aren't right for each other. Candy says something along the lines of like, I think this. 
I don't think she gets to finish her sentence. Here's what I think. Candy, I th please, you are not put on this earth to think. Diane, you are without a doubt. Oh my God. Damn, Fraser. Yeah, they were, oh, oh, a very Jekyll and Hyde moment. Yeah, it's, uh, we saw a side of Frasier we did not like there. Well, and he didn't like either. And that's how we realised that, that he's kind of done the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. And maybe they need a bit more time to get to know each other. Which is nice, I think. I think that's, uh, that's the right decision. But it also means Diane was right. Again, Frasier and Candy leave the office to go on like a date or something. They're, they're happy. That's the main thing. Then we get left with Diane and Sam. Keep that fire lit. Let's just stoke it a bit. Get those embers sparkling. I think a lot of episodes have ended in the office with Diane and Sam sort of reflecting on the episode that's just happened that wasn't really connected to them and then them kind of going, but maybe it was connected to us on a deeper level. You feel that fire, Diane? <laughs> so they very much kept that ember alive. Because Sam goes, well, there's a justice of the peace out there and you know, you know what we have to do now. And Diane's like, Sam, are you saying what I'm saying? He's like, better give some people some drinks. And she's like, yes, yes, that's, that's what I thought you meant, Sam. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Why must you play with my heart, Sam? Mocking each other as they go back into the bar to serve everyone merry drinks who showed up to a wedding which didn't happen. Which is not the first time this has happened in Cheers. I, I think they probably got like a, a special offer. Jilted wedding, happy hour. Drown your sorrows. <laughs> Free pretzels for everyone. That's the trivia bell, James, and that means one thing. It means we've got some lovely trivia deliveries. Do you want to kickstart this? Uh, no, I think you can start this time, John. So in this episode, Fraser introduces Dr. Lilith. What accolades does she have after her name? We'll put the quote in for this because it is a great exchange, but I believe Fraser says, everyone, I'd like you to meet my date, Dr. Lilith Sternen, MD, PhD, EDD, APA. MD, PhD, EDD, APA. Boy, it sure didn't spell like it sounds. That's a lot of courses, maybe? It means she's got... A doctorate? At least three doctorates, yeah. So she's a smart cookie. Sure is. Although she would say that is specious. Smart cookie is definitely obligatory in specious chips. I call everyone a smart cookie. You, you're a smart cookie. This is the first time you've ever called me a smart cookie. Another question about Lilith. What single scenario does Lilith kiss someone? In what single scenario? If she means it. Yeah, pretty close. She only kisses as a prelude to passion. Ooh. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's raunchy. <laughs> Woody has a uh, dream in this episode about falling in love, but how does his dream play out, James? I think it ends with him having children which move away and rarely call him. Yeah. And then they grow old in an empty house together and die. Then he tags it on the end and goes, I also want a boat. Which I feel could be like a really sort of alternative version to the beginning of Up. I could see it play out like that. During the wedding ceremony, Norm reminisces about something his father said at his own wedding. What did Norm's father say at Norm's wedding? Norm Senior, perhaps. I'd like to imagine it's sort of a, a very Normism quip. Something about an open bar. It's, thank God I'm not paying for this. Well, that's the opposite then. <laughs> when uh, Candy and Fraser announce their engagement, Carla has a quick word with Candy about Fraser. She describes him as not as her cup of tea, but she does say uh, some pros. Do you remember what they are? He is a smart cookie. No. <laughs> uh, she says, Fraser could be all right. He won't hurt you. And I think he'll always be faithful. And if he isn't, who cares? 
I think he would always be faithful, our Frasier. But he did hurt her. Do you know what I thought in this episode, actually? How good would have Kelsey Grammer been in, like, The Shining? Oh, yes. I, I could really picture that. I think he would have been too young on the original release of The Shining. But, yes, definitely in the 90s, good age to do it, because he would have been 40. But I thought as well, because the reason why Stephen King... We haven't talked about Stephen King on this podcast for ages. The reason why Stephen King didn't like Stanley Kubrick's one was because Jack was like insane at the beginning, but in the book, he's supposed to be like an everyman. And he's supposed to just be kind of like a struggling writer who is kind of not already unhinged. I think Cassie Grammer does transition in, in this series, really. He's been driven insane by the ghosts of the bar. And we've heard him in The Simpsons where he's quite intimidating and, dare I say, scary. That would have been a, a good 90s version of The Shining. Yeah, there was a 90s miniseries of The Shining in 1997, starring Stephen Webber. From the TV series Wings, James. Yes, exactly. Which, at times, has had crossovers with Cheers. The Seven Degrees of Stephen King again is his back. Our episode of this podcast originally aired on Christmas Eve, which is... The most famous Eve of all, is it not? According to Sam, Christmas Eve is the most famous Eve. I think it's been a very nice, well, not really Christmas-themed episode, but it's been a nice episode for Christmas. Yeah, we won't delve too much into it, but who knows when you're listening to this episode, but there's a little tidbit for you. It it does have Heart and Soul played on the piano, which is famously not a Christmas song. (laughs) Yes, Woody playing the nice, lesser-known wedding arrangement (laughs) of Heart and Soul. As Heart and Soul is is played lovingly on the piano. Let's think, James, what, what, what should we be toasting at the moment? I think we shall toast to friendship. Yeah, we can, we can do friendship. We'll, we'll toast to Lilith, I think. To Lilith, who may or may not be named after Mrs. Satan. That's a very Christmassy topic. Satan on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I believe that's a Stephen King book, is it not? <laughs> uh, well, with that said, let's raise our uh, terrible pretzels. Say, uh, good evening, you lucky dogs and dogettes. Have a very Merry Christmas. And thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. Cheers, podcast. Cheers.